want to share a message today, a very personal message on developing confidence. And we're going to read a pretty well-known verse. If you've been a Christian for a while or maybe been around church, it's from Philippians 4.13. And Paul says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a pretty good memory verse there. Why don't we say that together? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say it one more time with a bit more confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You read that, you think, Paul must be having a pretty good day. But you know what? He's actually in a prison. In fact, if you read the letter to this point, he's talked about his chains four times. I'm in chains. I'm in chains. So, so he's in prison. <laughs> uh, he's not even sure whether he's going to get out of prison. And so it's not like his circumstances are fantastic at the moment. And yet there's this incredible godly confidence that he has, despite his circumstances. Uh, you know, all of us have scripts on the inside of us that tell us the story of our life, just like a computer. You might, how, many, how many Windows? We have Microsoft Windows people here? Uh, Apple people? Okay, okay. Linux? There's always, yeah, there you go, there you go. Computer programmer at the back there. Uh, everyone's got a different operating system, a different default. And in the same way, we all have inner scripts, inner programs, inner stories that we tell ourselves about God, about life, and about ourselves. You can see Paul's inner script, despite the challenges, despite his circumstances, was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He had an inner narrative of godly confidence. I can confidence through Christ dependence. It's a godly confidence, a confidence because of Christ's strength in his life. I'm inspired by that because as a kid, that wasn't the script of my life. Many of you heard my story. Uh, I, I pulled a photo out of the archives coming up on the screen now of me in school. And so there we are. What a cute looking kid, huh? Some of you wonder whether I really did have red hair. There it is, right there. Red hair, lots of freckles. Us redheads, if the freckles would all join up, would be very brown. But they just tend to not connect. So there I am, red hair, lots of freckles. Look at the size of those ears. Man, come on, big ears. And so as a kid, you're laughing now. Let me see your school photos. Come on, bring them, bring them all out and we can have a laugh together. But my script as a kid growing up was not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I actually was a pretty shy kid, had a bit of insecurity. My script was, I'm not sure I can do anything, or maybe I can, or possibly. I wasn't a confident young person, and my journey has been a journey of learning to grow in confidence, and trying something and falling and trying again, and it's actually been through the help of a lot of other people seeing stuff in me that I didn't see in myself, that over time, and I'm still on that journey, I've started to believe I can be who God says I can be, and I can do what God says I can do. So it's taken me time to develop the kind of confidence Paul talks about. And so I wonder where you are this morning on the confidence uh, spectrum. Are you like Paul? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or are you a little bit like me? <laughs> full of questions and doubts and uncertainty, or maybe you're somewhere along that continuum. You know, some people are born with a natural confidence, uh, although I was pretty shy as a kid. Our kids were born with a lot of confidence. 
they're all 20s now, but I still remember Natasha, our daughter, uh, she was about eight or nine, and uh, she finished school one day and came into my office, and I still had a bit of work to do there at the church, and so I said, look, I'll just be a little while, Tash, and so she did a little bit of work in my office. She was sorting through some papers, and she was uh, neatening up my drawers, and uh, when she was done, I said, that's fantastic. You did a great job. I had a, an assistant named Sue at that time. I said, Tash, maybe when you grow up, you could do Sue's job. And without cracking a smile, she says, well, what about your job? <laughs> Don't limit me. Plenty of confidence. Now, she's 26 now. She's a chef. She's actually not that interested in being a pastor. But see the confidence? Uh, my oldest son, Josiah, he just turned 30. And I still remember when he was about 13, uh, he'd just got a guitar. He'd had it a week. He was kind of strumming in his room. And on Friday night, he went early to youth to try out for the youth band. And he came home devastated that they didn't see the potential in him. He's, you know, so, so our kids kind of had huge confidence. And how many know life has a way of knocking that out of you pretty quickly if, you, if you've got some huge confidence? Of course, I'm not talking about overconfidence today. There's a danger when our confidence gets too big and we become a little arrogant, a little bit cocky, a little bit overconfident. Uh, funny story, when I was a teenager, I started out really shy and then I started to get good at sport. I was a pretty good basketball player and I started learning the piano and I was actually a pretty good piano player. And so in year 12, our school had a competition against other schools in the region. I was living in America then. And so we all got on the bus from Portland, Oregon up to Seattle and the school was competing in sports and art and music. And so there was a piano solo category. And so I entered the piano solo category, started learning this amazingly fancy piece of music. Then we found out a school could enter two candidates per category. So I said to my friend Todd, who I was teaching the piano, hey, Todd, how about you enter? I'll get first, you get second. You can see where this is going, can't you? And so I memorized this amazing piece of music in D-flat major for all the musicians. And the judges had the music in front of them. And I got up, da -da -da, and I started this incredible piece. And a couple of minutes in, my mind went completely blank. The room is full of a thousand young people, teachers, parents. I'm on stage. And embarrassingly, I meandered, finished, and sat down. Totally, totally embarrassed. My friend Todd got up, played this little chorus that I'd taught him with all these little licks that I'd showed him. And then a girl from another school played, and she was pretty average. <laughs> that night were the awards. And my friend Todd got first place. And I didn't get anything. Needless to say, it was a long bus ride home from Seattle to Portland. How many have heard that little proverb that says, Pride goes before a fall. So when I talk about confidence today, I'm not talking about becoming arrogant because God has a way, even when we're good at stuff, of just kind of withdrawing and saying, let's see how good you are without me. Never happened to me before or since. I got a pretty good memory. It was just a little moment where I learned the difference between confidence and overconfidence. Uh, I can do all things, Paul says, through Christ. That's the dependence part of this story. Uh, you know, a little insider, as I've grown through the years, I've met a lot of people. I met a lot of um, successful people, leaders, prime ministers, wealthy business people. And, and you'd be surprised how many people we look up to that have succeeded in life who actually struggle with confidence. You kind of scratch beneath the surface and they have doubts and they have questions and they struggle with insecurity. You, you know, many people are like ducks, calm on the surface, paddling like mad underneath. And so all of us, 
uh, struggle sometimes with a lack of confidence. Timothy is an example. Timothy had a godly heritage, grew up in a Christian home. He was a young leader of character, but he struggled with fear and intimidation. Paul had to write him, and in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul says, Hey, Timothy, uh, fan the flame. <laughs> The gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. Or the NIV says, God does not make us timid. So the lack of confidence, the fear, the intimidation, it's not from God. But in contrast, God gives us the power we need. He gives us the love we need. And He gives us the self-discipline or the wisdom that we need. And so God's desire, no matter what we may feel naturally, is that we would overcome intimidation and fear and we would develop a confidence in our life. And when we encounter God, He has a way of putting a confidence in our heart so that we become confident in God and ourselves and then we can impart that confidence to other people. Now, the, the big idea of my remaining part of this message is that confidence is not static. It's not something you got 20 years ago and you don't have to worry about anymore. Confidence, like passion and faith, is vulnerable. In a moment, you can have confidence. And how many know in a moment, you can lose your confidence? Just like that. Our confidence can take a hit and suddenly it's gone. It's disappeared. And so today I want you to think about what are some ways that we can build our confidence and what are some things that are a threat to our confidence. And it's different for everybody. In fact, over lunch today, maybe you want to have a chat and, and talk about what are the things that knock your confidence? When, when you lost your confidence, what happened? And then what are some things that build your confidence? And I think that'd be a really helpful conversation. I want to share with you some things that have knocked my confidence over the years. Um, our confidence comes under attack. Uh, for me, one of the things that knocks my confidence is criticism. <laughs> Anyone ever been criticized? If you've never been criticized, you've never done anything. You just got to get up in the morning and someone's got an opinion about you. But criticism can kind of knock your confidence. Remember when I first became a senior pastor a couple of years into the role and I was loving it and leading it and developing confidence. And one of the intercessors in the church had a word for me that I had become proud like Nebuchadnezzar and the church was like the Titanic. It was going to sink unless I humbled myself. And now what do you do with a prophetic word that says you're proud? No, I'm not proud. I could just remember how those words just knocked my confidence. And uh, maybe you've had an experience of someone just saying something towards you and you were confident and then suddenly your confidence is shaken. Criticism has a way of doing that. Our disappointment. You know, we have expectations of what will happen and how people will respond and how things will turn out. And when they don't turn out that way, sometimes disappointment has a way of eroding our confidence. Uh, doubts. You know, we all have self-talk things we say to ourselves, and sometimes questions and doubts and uh, those kinds of words can erode our confidence. Uh, unresolved conflicts, when you've got a, a tense relationship, that knocks your confidence. Mistakes, anyone made a mistake? Come on, how long have we got? We've all made mistakes. And man, when you make a mistake, it, it knocks your confidence. You know, I had an embarrassing situation just a few years ago um, when I was senior minister at City Life Church. Part of my salary package was uh, I got to use one of the church vehicles. We had a, a few vehicles that the staff used, and I was using a Ford Territory at that time. 
And uh, I had a really busy season, working long hours, extra meetings. And so one day at the office, midweek, I thought, I'll, I'll knock off a bit early today. I'll get some flowers for Nicole, some chocolates to go home and surprise her and get home a bit early. So I headed off from the office and uh, petrol was on empty. So oh, I stopped and got petrol. And then I had a couple of kilometers to go to the shops. Well, just before the shops, the, the car's kind of jerking and, and, and thrusting. And, and I'm thinking, what is going on? And, and so I, I got to the shops, parked, and then I tried to start it. It wouldn't even start. So called, called the business manager, called the RACV, and I'm thinking, man, just the day I'm trying to go home early, do something good, the car's broken down. And I'm sitting there waiting for the RACV, and I thought, I, I did put diesel in, didn't I? Like, I always put the diesel in, you know, like there's three um, hoses, and the diesel's always the black one in the middle at, at the shell. And I did, didn't I? And I pulled out my receipt, and I'd put unleaded into the tank. Not only had I filled it up with unleaded, I'd driven a couple of kilometers with the wrong fuel. I'm sitting there, will I tell the RACV? What am I going to do? Anyway, RACV comes, tows the car away. I had to call a staff member to drop me home, kind of tell them the story. Got home late, roses have wilted a bit, chocolates have melted a little bit. It's not a great day. I mean, I'm an adult. I have a theology degree. I have a business degree. Like, I'm smart. I'm talented. I'm confident. And I just did something incredibly stupid. <laughs> anyway, next couple of weeks, we didn't hear from the repairers. And staff were saying, hey, where's your car? I said, I'm oh, getting a service at the moment. Yeah, just getting a service, you know. Anyway, two weeks later, we heard that it was going to cost $18,000 to fix the engine. That's not the bad news. The bad news was the insurance company was saying they weren't sure they would cover it. Oh, man. Third week goes, hey, where's your car? Still getting serviced. Still getting serviced. Oh, how embarrassing. Talk about a knock of confidence. Now, uh, unlike some failures and mistakes, this actually had a pretty good ending because the insurer said, we'll cover it, and it's going to cost so much, we'll write the car off. So it was a write-off. And so we ended up leasing another vehicle, a Toyota Prado, and it ended up being a couple of hundred dollars less per month. So I ended up saving the church money. Yes! God works in mysterious ways. Nevertheless, your confidence takes a hit when you make a mistake. You know what they did for me for the next vehicle? This is, this is what they did. They designed a little cap just for idiots like me to make sure you can't put the wrong petrol in. I think every car should have one of these. Yeah. A anyone done this? Have you done this? Oh, you're my friend. You didn't drive away though. You were smart. They siphoned it out, huh? Oh, it's amazing when you've done something really stupid and then you share it, how you find there are others too. There are others too. And so when you make a mistake, it knocks your confidence. Uh, another confidence knocker, destroyer, is discouragement. It's an imaginary story of the devil auctioning off all of his tools. And there he has lust and envy and bitterness, and he's selling them for kind of an exorbitant price. These are all the tools he's used over the years. And then there's this one tool, and it's really old, it's really well-worn, and it was 10 times the price of all the others. And someone said to the devil, why is that one so expensive? It's so worn. He says, that was my most effective tool. I used it more than any other. And someone said, what is it? And he says, it's discouragement. And it's true, you know. 
discouragement has a way of just settling in like a a wet blanket and your confidence is gone. Uh, Fear, intimidation, comparison. How many know when you compare yourself to someone else, it knocks your confidence? When I was a keyboard player, as a teenager, I'd visit churches and I'd worship and I'd always listen to the piano player. And if I was better than them, it's hallelujah. But if they were better than me, I'm going, oh, I've got to learn to do that. I would compare myself, and then my feelings would be based on whether I'm better than them or not better than them. Here's the reality. There's always someone better than you, and there's always someone that you're better than. So see, success is not being better than someone else. It's being the best you can be. When you compare yourself to somebody else, you'll always lose confidence, or you'll uh, inappropriately um, inflate your confidence. Don't compare yourself to others. And so they're just some of the things over the years that have knocked my confidence, destroyed my confidence, and I have to be on guard against. And so maybe some of them resonate for you. Maybe there's some other things that knock your confidence. But if we're going to be confident people, we have to be on guard. We have to be aware of where we are vulnerable. Well, the good news is your confidence can grow. And if you've lost your confidence, you can get it back. You can uh, receive confidence and grow in your ability to believe in God's plan for your life. How do we do that? Uh, Firstly, see yourself as God sees you. You know, the way we see ourselves is so important. And if we'll just see ourselves from God's perspective our confidence grows. You've all heard the story of the 12 spies being sent by Moses into the promised land. And in the promised land, they're checking out God's promises for them. And and 10 of the spies come back and say, it's a good land. God's got some good things for us, but there's giants in the land and we are grasshoppers in their sight. They looked at the challenges, and they looked at themselves, and they said, we are incy-wincy little grasshoppers. How many know if you see yourself as a grasshopper, that's the way you'll act? That's, that's their perspective. The two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they went into the same promised land. They saw the same giants, but instead of looking at the giants and themselves, they looked at the giants, and then they looked at their big God, and they said, they are meat for us. We are well able. Where does that confidence come from? They didn't ignore the giants. They didn't ignore the challenges. But instead of looking at themselves as grasshoppers, they looked at themselves from God's perspective and they said, we are well able. We can do this. We can do this. Whose glasses do you have on? How are you seeing yourself? Now, I wonder if we pause right now and I ask you a question. What do you think God thinks about you right now? I wonder what thoughts you would have. I've discovered there's a lot of people that think God's angry with them or disappointed with them or maybe he didn't do too well this week and so he's got a frown on his face. You know, if you ask me as a parent what I think about my kids, uh, I would tell you they're the best kids in the world. If you lied up all the children in the world, I'd pick those three. I love them. They're amazing. Now, if you said, have they ever done anything wrong? Have they ever disappointed me? I'd say, how long have you got? Because my love for them is not based on them always doing the right thing. My love for them is based on the fact they're my kids. 
And so my orientation towards them is the smile. It's one of love. Now, there's stuff to talk about along the journey. But if I, as an infallible, flawed human father, think that about my kids, what do you think God thinks about you today? Can I just say he's got a smile? He loves you. He thinks you're amazing. Now, if there's a bit of stuff happening, he's going to say, hey, let's talk about that. But if you could just see yourself the way God sees you, you have an inner confidence that just flows out. It's called internal security. It's so really, really important. See, when you're internally secure, others pick that up. You, you know, when someone who's insecure walks into a room, their default narrative is, here I am. Here I am. And they want people to notice them or they're worried about what people think about them. When you have an inner confidence in God, you walk into a room and you know what your narrative is? There you are. It's not about me. It's actually about you. In fact, I found one of the confidence, one of the confidence builders as a speaker is when I get up here, if I think about myself, I get nervous. If I get up here today and say, do they like me? Is my shirt okay? Uh, is my zipper done up? Did, 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 did they like that joke? Am I, am I doing okay? To, if I think about myself, I get more nervous. My confidence goes. But if I get up here and I think about you and how this message could help you and what God's doing in your life, when I think more about you and less about me, my confidence goes. My confidence grows is what I meant to say. And so just begin to see yourself as God sees you as his child. Uh, another thing you can do to grow your confidence is to learn. Learn all you can. When you gain knowledge or skill or experience, your confidence grows. Uh, in fact, there's a little phrase that helped me. Anything is easy when you know how. There are things that you can do that I would go, how did you do that? And you'd go, it's easy. And why is it easy? Because you've learned how to do it. Every one of us in this room have skills, knowledge, and experience, things we're good at. And it's easy to us because we've learned how to do it. There are other things that we don't know how to do and we lack confidence. But if we'll learn, our confidence will grow. Uh, a funny story, we had a guy do some training with our staff a few years ago. And uh, during the day, he, he took three tennis balls and he was juggling them, juggling the three tennis balls. And we were all amazed. That's incredible. And then he gave us all three tennis balls. He says, have a go. And so we all tried to juggle. It was hilarious. There were balls hitting windows, ceilings, people. It was chaos. No one could do it. He says, okay, sit down, get a piece of paper. How do you feel? How many know when you try to do something you can't, you feel pretty frustrated, annoyed, uncoordinated, disappointed? Uh, you feel pretty down. Through the day, he taught us how to juggle. He taught us the science of juggling, how you need an imaginary window in front of you, and you get the first ball to the top of the window, and just as it arrives there, you get the second ball over to the left side, and he began to explain how juggling works, and then he gave us the tennis balls again, and he came around and he coached each one of us, and within an hour or so, everyone in the room was juggling. He says, take that piece of paper, write down, how do you feel? Amazing, incredible, can't wait to get home and show the kids. What, what, what happened? What turned us from frustration to confidence? We learned how to do something. And so I want to encourage you this year. One way to grow your confidence is to learn. Well, what lessons do you need to start taking? What, what class? What course? If you begin to learn and develop skills and talents, your confidence will 
grow as you give yourself to learn. Gain some experience. Uh, You know, we all admire David defeating Goliath, but how many know that's probably not the first time he used the slingshot? Come on, work with me. I I know God helped him, but he, he wasn't going, oh, let's give this a try. Defeating Goliath happened because one day he beat a bear and a lion when no one was looking. And see, his confidence that he built while defeating the lion and the bear when no one was around gave him the confidence when everyone was around to beat Goliath. And so what bear and lion do you need to kill? What experience do you need to gain now when no one's looking, when there's no platform? It's all about learning and growing and developing experience, even sometimes our mistakes and our failures are part of us growing in confidence. I love basketball, as I said, and one of the best basketball players of all time is Michael Jordan, and uh, he's got this great quote coming up now. He says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I miss. (laughs) I've failed over and over and over again, and that is why I succeed. See, he's not afraid to make a mistake, to fail, because every moment is a learning experience that helps him become better. Anyone heard of Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln was born into poverty. He lost eight elections. He failed twice in business. He actually suffered a nervous breakdown before becoming one of America's great presidents. And he said this. Here it comes right now. Success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Come on. You you, you stumbled. You've fallen. You made a mistake. Didn't work out. Hey, you're in good company. See yourself the way God sees you and let every moment be a learning experience. Don't allow failure to knock your confidence. Another confidence builder is to allow others to speak into your life. That's one of the things I love about a church community as we do life together. We can mirror confidence to one another. You know, we live in a world where people tear us down, knock our confidence. I think the church should be a place where we see good in one another, where we encourage one another, where we build one another up, where we speak confidence into each other's heart. My dad's funeral this week, um, a church leader from America flew over for it. His name's Ken Molman. Uh, he was on the teaching team when my dad taught in Bible college in America for about 10 years. And uh, uh, he was also one of my leaders in the church. I still remember as a 17-year-old, uh, him taking me out to lunch. And somewhere in the lunch, he said, Mark, you're a good young man. And God's hands on your life. You've got a great leadership gift. God's going to do some good things through your life. Something like that. I remember leaving that lunch feeling about a foot taller than I already was. Now, other people might have thought that. But Ken took the time to mirror confidence in my life. You need to get around people who build you up, don't tear you down. People who see your potential, not just your problems. Really, really important way to develop confidence. You know, ultimately, confidence is not going to hit you like a bolt of lightning. In fact, confidence is not necessarily a feeling. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I remember as a young leader talking to an experienced pastor saying, "Uh, how do you conquer fear? He said this, I'll never forget. He says, a certain amount of fear is actually healthy because it keeps you dependent on God. (laughs) You know, if you're a public speaker, how many have heard of the butterflies? You get butterflies when you're about to speak up front. The goal is not to eliminate the butterflies. It's to get the butterflies to fly in formation. 
You're not, you're not going to get rid of them. They'll be there. You've got to feel the fear and do it anyway. And so if you're waiting for confidence to kind of be a bolt of lightning, sometimes you just got to be confident. Step out. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the conquering of fear and beginning to see ourselves as God sees us. And so say these words with me. I can be who God says I can be. I can do what God says I can do. I didn't say you can do anything. You know, some motivational speaker says, you can do anything if you try hard enough. I mean, no, that's not true. Just watch some of the talent shows. There's some kid up there whose grandmother said, you're amazing. And then they open their mouth and you go, nah. No, no, you can't be anything you want to be. But you can be what God says you can be. And you can do what God says you can do. And so say that one more time with me. I can be who God says I can be. I can do what God says I can do. And so I pray here at Bayside, we'd be a community with godly confidence. I, we can do all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens us. All the power, all the love, all the, the wisdom we need is available to us in Christ. Everyone said amen.